all you good movie buddies to another episode of the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those of you who, like us, live on a steady diet of movie theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks, like that Bots Dots, you know, those those delicious gummy mm-hmm. dots, but not the ones you buy at the theater, the ones you buy at Walgreens and sneak in because they fill the box of dots at like Walgreens way more. Could you say that about all movie candy? It's probably very true, yeah. Uh, as always, I am Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And with me joining me, as always, is my co-host, the Canadian Machine, another fellow good movie buddy, Mr. David Melhorn. And David, I'm very excited for you for this particular episode. I'm excited. this is, I feel, is near and dear to your heart. It is. And it is because we are talking about the wonderful genre of heist films. Love it. Uh, In celebration of Baby Driver coming, not only coming out, but crushing it, overperforming, over uh, outshining all expectations, we decided we got to talk about heist movies. We got to talk about about the movies that, that detail the crime of the century. And so that is where we are at today. And um, one of my biggest questions is first to you do you know how old the first heist movie is do you know when it came out i'm gonna guess i i have no clue on the date but i'm gonna guess the great train robbery i feel like you know that because it's i've, I've written it in front of you <laughs> And because I have it up on our screen. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, really cool just doing research on heist films. Um, The Great Train Robbery is a story that has been told multiple times over the course of film. But the original came out in 1903, 114 years ago. And it it was like 13 minutes long. And it was made for a budget of $150. And many consider it to be the first blockbuster, even though the term was not coined until the 70s, obviously, talking about when in our Transformers podcast, you know, the history of blockbusters, the Great Train Robbery was one of those things that people had never seen before. Uh, If you're familiar at all, as a matter of fact, a scene in one of our favorite films, Tombstone, Mm -hmm. the opening of that film, they're watching watching The Great Train Robbery, and one of the most iconic scenes is the picture of the old uh, bandit pointing his gun directly at the camera and firing his shots. And when that movie came out in 1903, people lost their minds because they had never seen... They thought they were getting shot at. Yeah, exactly. But that just kind of goes to show the longevity of the heist film, of the, not just a crime film, because crime can be anything, but a heist film is a very specific set of circumstances. And that's why we're going to talk about it a little bit, because then that will eventually lead us into Baby Driver. But I'm curious to you, and I'm sure you're curious to me as well, what makes, what, why are heist films so fun? We as obviously they've been happening since 1903. Why? What makes them so cool? You know, I, th- I think for me, my most enjoyable part of heist films. I think one of the things that's is is fun about them is getting to watch the progression. Right? You in most heist films, you get introduced to basically the players, like most films right. that are going to be a part of this. Put the crew um, together. You get kind of a crew together, and then. 
you see things kind of all the preparation and then unlike any other film it's pretty easy to follow that we're all building up to this climax and i feel like that's where really good heist movies come through is that the climax pays off Mm -hmm. where all this buildup and preparation for a heist is paid off in a really fun cool heist whether it's big explosions whether it's cool gadgets whether it's you know whatever it be the buildup is just the most fun part of the movie and then you get to see it all unfold um the movies that i think i've walked away disappointed from heist movies is when you have all this buildup and it kind of falls flat as far as the actual heist. Uh, okay. So for me, I feel like you get to mix in so many different characters. You know, you, you think about some of them, and we'll talk about, obviously, our favorites, but if you throw out some of the ones that come to mind, first and foremost, you know, whether you get, like, a, an Ocean's movie, you have, so many, you have so many different characters, and I think not just because I love the Ocean's movies, but if you think about just what it goes you have great sort of antagonist in Andy Garcia yes um, that you know even though we're talking about committing committing a major felony of robbing millions of dollars everybody's tens, cheering tens of millions of dollars everybody's cheering for the criminals in it right um, and you get to meet all these different characters that are all playing their own little parts into it and I don't know what it is about heist movies but usually there's some decent comedy in most of them in a lot of them not all of them so uh kind of in the process and in the setup their 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 trials you know we're gonna try it and maybe they'll fail and it'll be funny maybe it'll succeed and it'll be funny but there is a lot of opportunity there for some comedy yeah you have the trial and fairs like if we're using oceans you know you've got where you know they're doing the fake uh, scene in the vault where Yen's trying to jump from right. the one to there, and you know, twenty says he shorts. Twenty it. says he shorts it, um, or even you know, Basher with the when they demolish the building, going uh-huh. in there and you know, going through that, and you watch them having to pivot because there's never a heist movie where it goes in an exact straight line of right. we plan out the heist and then goes. There's some things that always happen. There's always something that goes wrong that throws things off course. Eventually, um, yeah. There's always having to change of plans. There's usually something while the heist is happening that wasn't planned for that they have to adjust to quickly. Think of like, you know, Italian job, like they build out this big old plan, well thought out plan, and then there's three trucks instead of one. Right. So then they got to figure out, okay, which one's riding low? And then, you know, you got all these different things. Um, And I think that's the fun part is like you get to see these things. I think of uh, Now You See Me. You got Now You See Me where... You, you, they give you enough information to know what's going on. Right. But, you know, and now you see me, it's almost like what the basis of the movie is. It's almost like a magic trick. Where right. They give you enough to draw you in and you don't notice certain things because you're. The you joy know, so is in the reveal. Yeah, exactly. They show you that they, oh, they pulled it off and then they take a step back to show you exactly how. How you were looking over at this left hand when the right hand was doing all the tricks. And, and maybe that. In, in a way is what makes heist films in general. Maybe they all are kind of like magic tricks in a way in that you're, you've got this buildup and you're paying attention and then you get to see the reveal of how it happens from that standpoint too. Okay. So that's, that's my favorite parts about uh, the genre itself. And I think as I think back through and as I was going through and trying to make my list, um, 
I think that the endings of these movies are better than like most movies. Like maybe right up there with those inspirational sports movies. Right. But like the endings of heist movies generally are so like satisfying because most of the time the good guys always win or, or at least the person that you're cheering for. I don't the, know if you can figure <laughs> right, like robbers right, right. and things like that as the good guys, but um, they almost always win um, in some form. Mm -hmm. And like you walk away like, oh, it was really cool how they did X, Y, and Z. Right. Or So that actually, so now what you said actually has brought up two more questions that I find really fascinating. Do you think part of what makes heist films so enjoyable, whether it be to us, whether it be to other people, do you think there's just a little bit of, man, these criminals are cool, and man, if only I had a little bit of time and resources to pull off a heist, I might do it? Do you think there's a little bit of the naughtiness in there? Absolutely. I mean, I think of all the, I mean, think of like Italian job, driving Mini Coopers through, you know, a house or things like right, that, you right, know, that right. they plan to do with that. Um, you know, Ocean, some of the things that they, they do in that, or, you know, I think it depends. I think there's definitely a dream. I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of, especially men, mm -hmm. um, as we were boys, you drew, you know, you grew up on whether it be like cowboys and robbers cowboys and, and Indians, yeah, cops and robbers, cops and sure. robbers, all those types of things. Um, and so you always had kind of that idea of like, pulling something off you know being like, bad is just fun or even like when you were a kid like think of like doing different things you build up this plan of like what we're going to do whether it's you rig up things to blow something up right. or you you know set up a giant slip and slide or whatever it mm -hmm. be and then you get the payoff and that to me that's almost like a heist movie and that it's you know you have this build up and this plan and then okay. you go and execute it and then you get to see the the fun of it revealed. So that leads me to my other question, which is you have talked about heist movies in the sense that we get a crew together, we get a plan together, we practice the plan, we execute the plan, and the movie ends. The climax of the film is the heist itself. Now, do you think, because I don't think this, I think that a heist movie can... The heist can be set at any point. The heist can be set at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, because there are certain heist movies such as, let's take, for example, Reservoir Dogs, where the heist, it is all about the heist and how it went wrong, but we never actually see the heist. Mm -hmm. You only see it in little bits and pieces, if at yeah. all. So do you feel that you're, you you better enjoy heist films if they are built with that particular structure? Because I don't personally think it has to have that structure, although the really satisfying ones do have that structure. But you look like the, like look at, look at uh, the movie Heat sure. or, the, or the movie Thief with uh, James Caan, which mm -hmm. is like an old 70s, 80s movie. Uh, this is a, an excellent, excellent heist movie sure. where the heist isn't necessarily at the end. It's in the beginning. Or it's in the middle, or it's I, a series of. I, for me, for me to think of it as a heist movie and really enjoy it in the mention of a heist movie, mm -hmm. you can do it one of two ways, in my opinion. You can either tell it backwards, where you have, we know a heist happened. Okay. And throughout the entire movie, you explain it. And then once you get to the climax, you go post heist, you know, so you sometimes have, and I'm blanking on an example of this, but like, um, I can't think of an example, but if, <laughs> if you think of like, you get to a point of like, how did this all happen or how did we get to this sure. point? 
and then you go backwards and explain the story up there and then eventually you get to present time and then the climax is happening like as they're escaping from somewhere or something like that okay um i'm trying to think if i think of one i'll, I'll bring it up but i can't uh, think of one off the top of my head either. but i could see it being that way it's I, I know what you're talking about though where it's almost like a how did we get it's i believe the term the term is called uh, it's this is a film nerd term but it's called in media res the, ter- the term in media res means that the story starts in the middle of the action well, and this isn't a heist movie. I know. But- there's an example. Um, it is, and I can't believe I'm bringing this up. In our research, uh, a great example is Mad Money with Queen Latifah and sure. Diane Keaton. It starts in media res. It starts with them in the middle of like getting caught almost. Sure. Well, and there's other movies that you can think of that aren't necessarily heist movies, but you think of like Deadpool. Deadpool uh-huh. starts with him at that crash, and that's more like middle of the movie when you work up to it. But like something like that, or even um, I think didn't Lucky Number Eleven. Didn't that start uh, with and go back? Probably. I think it did. Uh, which I'm, is not, very, I'm not up to date a, on my lucky number seven. It's, it's a very underrated movie, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I could see it being that way. Um, that would be fun because you're getting kind of the build up in reverse. Okay. To you know where we're headed, which I think in all heist movies, you know where you're headed. You're headed to the heist. Sure. So to tell it that way isn't removing some of that from it. Sure. Um, but then uh, the other way is, you know, obviously building up to it. The problem with ones that like do it early and then everything's like just the aftermath of Mm -hmm. it to me it's not really a heist movie then it's more of like about the characters and the fallout and all those kinds of things like the heist is secondary to everything else so you feel that a true heist movie the heist is the star yeah i mean despite the fact that it might be filled with superstars exactly spoiler alert oceans is my favorite heist (laughs) shocker and I just say Oceans because you could pick any of them, and right. I'd put it at the top of my list. Ocean's Eleven, obviously my favorite. But um, that movie is the definition of a heist movie. Like, sure. The entire thing is about the heist. Now, there's ones, I think, like if you take Italian Job, where you have really have two heists, right? You have uh-huh. the, the, orig- the first one that gets built up very quickly, and they execute it. You don't see the planning, but you see everything go right. through. And then you have the one... That's, you know, the revenge heist, basically. Right. Um, getting back at Edward Norton's character. Um, so I think you can have multiple heists in a movie. Um, but I think the heist has got to be the center of the movie for me to think of it as a heist movie. It couldn't, okay. It's not that it couldn't be a heist movie or have a heist in it. But for me to think of it as a heist movie, it's got to be the center of it. Okay. All right. That's an inter- So that's really interesting because I, I feel like the movie... Uh, I feel like, personally speaking, and again, nobody's technically wrong here, um, but I think that a heist movie just needs to have a heist in it at some point, beginning, middle, or end. I think the really important part of the heist film genre is the characters and the interactions and the double crosses and the agreements and the partnerships. That kind of shit builds up. like Because the plan is, you know... the. So, some of them, some heist movies, typical smash and grab job. Other heist movies, slightly more complicated than that. And I feel like it's not necessarily in the, what's the word I'm looking for? The grace of the heist or the creativity of the heist itself. Because some movies are very much just like, we're going to go in, we're not, we're going to, we're going to plan it out and that's it. And other ones are, moving pieces, clockwork, constantly evolving and things like that. 
So when you take a movie like, <laughs> like okay, screw it, like 3,000 Miles to Graceland, which that movie opens with the heist itself. It's not a very glamorous heist. It basically devolves into a shootout. And then the rest of the movie is a cat and mouse game between the criminals and the law to get the money back and to catch catch the robbers. That's kind of what the Great Train Robbery is. The Great Train Robbery, the heist happens at the beginning, middle of the film. Now, granted, it's only 13 minutes long. But <laughs> at the beginning, at the middle of the film, you know, they go in, they rob the bank, and then there's some shit about the, uh, uh, the, the guy who switches the tracks. He, like, faints. His son comes to give him food. The guy wakes up. He calls the authorities. The authorities come, and then they get the bad guys. Uh, that was back back when standards and practices and, and decency required that the bad guys must lose. Sure. Did you know that? Yeah. Back in the day, you couldn't make movies where the bad guys won. The censorship rules. Just mm-hmm. like just like you couldn't show you couldn't curse until Gone with the Wind cursed. You couldn't show nudity until whatever film showed nudity. Whatever. Bad guys had to lose. And I think what really tweaked the heist genre is when bad guys could win. When the thieves themselves could win. Because a majority of these, not all of them, but a majority of, of the films that I came across and that I listed, the thieves are the the uh, protagonists. They are the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, and, and this, I mean, when we get talking about Baby Driver, it's going to be super interesting. Because there's all types of evolutions that happen there. Um, but... I think that's pretty – I mean, unless unless you have something else to add, I think that's a pretty good segue. Well, I think one thing that's cool about heist movies Go too is that there isn't always a strictly defined good and bad guy mm-hmm. um, from the standpoint of sometimes in movies you find yourself just enjoying what's unfolding. You're not necessarily rooting for one or the other. It's the game. You're interested to see how it all turns out. You know, like I think of um, like Inside Man. Yeah. Like, you're not like, you don't hate Denzel's character, right. um, the cop who's trying to catch him, but you also don't necessarily like hate uh, Clive, Owen. Clive Owen's right. character either. Now that's a movie where the whole movie is the heist. Exactly. So, um, that to me is the cool thing about heist movies is it kind of gets out of the like general genre of like, usually there's people you like and you dislike sure. and. You know, you sure. can almost enjoy just the unfolding of the story. There are a and lot the heist that itself. there are a lot like that. All of the heist movies seem to operate, whether it be in in a fun kind of way, like Inside Man is actually for as serious as Spike Lee likes to to make things. It's actually a very playful back and forth, or like a um, even something like, oh gosh, like a Now You See Me, where you have. Yeah. You know, everybody operates in this morally gray area sure. where the cops aren't good or bad and the thieves aren't good or bad. Yep. But they operate somewhere in between. Well, and even Oceans to some point. I mean, Oceans sure. definitely has Terry Bennett is the bad guy. But sure. He's technically. He's the one being an upstanding stolen from. Citizen. Yeah. yeah. He's getting stolen from. I mean, now most people don't feel bad for casino owners if they lose not. money. but. You know, so but he's kind of a prick, and 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 if there's anything more that audiences like more than a, a legal victory, it's a moral victory. It's true. And if you can get one over on the prick, no matter if the prick is a casino owner or the sheriff or the president, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get one over. I mean, so people loved the show Sons of Anarchy, and it was a show about like <laughs> a terrible biker gang right. that exactly killed exactly. People. 
So, um, so that's a pretty good segue into our top ten. And you and I were talking about this before. The the top ten heist films. There are a lot of heist films, and this I don't know about you, and I know that this is becoming the running gag where I can't keep it to ten. I did not keep it to ten. I have a few sub ones in here. I cheated a little bit on some of these, but I know you had a little bit of difficulty putting yours together. And I'm going to have you go first this time, and we'll see exactly how we match up here. But again, that you know, we've talked about what we feel goes into a heist movie, so maybe ours are a little bit different. Maybe I know we're going to have a lot of similarities because you and I like the very very similar films, mm-hmm. um, but. Let's hear it. Let's hear your top 10 or however many your top 10 films. Uh, I'm your heist movies. I'm only going to list 11 movies. Oh, um, right. Finally. I, I, I did go over 10. OK. But one of them is just a I don't know where to put it just yet. It'll <laughs> it it still needs some time to to marinate. Um, but that's uh, Hell or High Water from okay. last year. Obviously. Amazing film, my favorite film from last year. Yes, um, awesome performances. I don't have really anything negative to say about the movie. Awesome movie. I just don't know where I can put it in my top ten just yet. So that's okay. one's like, it's like when it's fresh. It's like when someone retires from from the league in whatever league you are. There's a there's a cool down period before they can even you're even eligible to get inducted. Right, into the Hall and of there Fame. are some that are all timers automatically, but it's like. Saying your favorite film was a film that came out two years ago. You need to let it marinate a little exactly, bit. Exactly. I feel you. So that one isn't in my top 10, but I, I couldn't go without mentioning it. So number 10 for me, one that I didn't really think of a, a uh, as a heist film, but I, I had to include in this, and that's Die Hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is, I, I wanted to talk about too, because it's one of those where it's kind of the opposite in that the heist is actually happening by the bad guys. Right. And but there's also almost heist esque um, portions with what John McClane's character sure. does um, in but, the movie as well. But, but a robbery takes place. A robbery takes place. So with that's multiple steps. That's that's part of why it's number ten for me because it's kind of borderline on on the heist film genre. Okay. Um, but I wanted to put it in there. Um, number nine for me is Now You See Me. Okay. I love that movie. Maybe it's because. It starts in Vegas, and you know how much I love Vegas. You do love but, Vegas. Um, I just love it because the whole movie almost is a magic trick, which is really cool to me in that it's a show, obviously, or a movie about magic, and the movie parallels a magic trick in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the characters in that movie, too. So that was number nine for me. Number eight is one that I'm not sure whether you've even seen, but surprise, surprise, it's Jason Statham. It's okay. Bank Job. I have seen it. Uh, it's been a while, but I have seen it. It's a, it's a British film, uh-huh. but it's genuinely funny. Like, right. I really enjoyed it, and it's got a really good heist. So I enjoyed that movie a ton. Um, seven that one shows Jason Statham can act. It does. Those are I always love to state the movies where he's not fighting anyone. People don't always realize that Statham is a good actor besides the yeah, fact that he's he a can good act. actor. He's an excellent comedic actor. Yes. He He's funny as shit. Yes. So I, I feel you on that. I did. I have seen the bank. I was worried. I hope that's the only one you think I might not have seen because I have seen that. No, that one's that one's the only one. So okay. you're, you're safe there. OK. Uh, seven is this is my classic. So I had to have one classic. in there. OK. And it's the sting. It's true. Paul Newman. 
Robert Redford. It is a classic. One of my favorites. Robert I mean, uh, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Simon. Yeah. Well, Redford. I mean, Redford's, Redford's in, in it, but yeah, Shaw's yeah. the mark. Shaw's in there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love yep. Robert Shaw. Um, number six for me, Italian Job. Good old Marky Mark. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. When that movie came out, I watched that movie so many times. I don't know. I think everybody decided they wanted a Mini Cooper. Everybody uh, wanted. Thankfully, thankfully, I never <laughs> pursued that desire. Well, you're you would never fit in a Mini Cooper. Well, neither of us would. That movie blew up though. Like there was that movie was number one. It's a remake. It you is. know that. Yeah. And number two, the original. I don't know if you've ever seen the original. It literally ends. Spoiler alert for the fucking 1970s version of the Italian Job <laughs> for anybody who cares. It ends with them. Uh, it actually ends as the as the beginning of the movie. So the beginning of the movie when they're on the on the truck in the van or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how the movie ends. It ends with them crashed on a side of a of a bridge, teetering there. Maybe they fall. Maybe they don't. That's how the original ends. <laughs> so they definitely. Got rid of that for a slightly happier ending, obviously. But I did like how they gave almost an ode to that yeah. original by doing that yeah. in the beginning part. Bring back, uh, who did we bring out? Uh, it was uh, Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland, right? Yep. Always got to bring Donnie Sutherland in. That's right. And that was the thing about that movie, too. The cast was so awesome. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is my favorite characters in that are none of probably your first three people listed on there. No. Edward Norton, Mark Wahlberg, and Charlize and, Theron. Yeah, they're no, probably it's literally my the least rest favorite of the crew. three. Everybody else from the crew, I love. It's uh, Seth Green. Seth Green's amazing. Call me the Napster. Handsome Rob's amazing. There he is again. Yep. Statham showing back up. Statham Most, is a an excellent like that guy yeah. to add to a heist crew. Absolutely. If you're gonna make a heist movie, make Statham one of the guys, and then um, most deaf. Most deaf. That's what I think most Steph that was one of his first roles, right? Yeah. What was he, what was his uh character like one ear or um oh my god, I'm gonna left blank ear on it. Something like that. Uh but it was uh just the whole I had a bad experience. Yeah, um, he he goes deaf in, in one ear right, exactly. He's, uh, blowing exactly. up firecrackers in the when he was a kid. It's so it's I mean the characters but well, that's a great example of the characters. Left ear. Um, was his character. And that's a, a perfect example of putting together the group of the team. Absolutely. You know, it really is a great team put together. So that one was up there. We already talked about this a little bit, Inside Man. Yep. Um, I love that movie. It's just cool. It has so many twists and turns and things that you don't expect. And then you get kind of that reveal, but then you get sort of the follow-up after it. and It's such a unique heist. It is. It's, it was a different heist movie than than what you're used to from right. that standpoint. Right. Uh, number four for me, your boy. My boy. The town. Hell yeah. Affleck, I, baby. That movie is, that's one that is relatively recent, but yes. has marinated enough for me to know that. That it's I fucking that legit. Movie. It's yeah. so good. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner oh. is amazing in it. Uh, all the performances. Rebecca Hall. Like. Uh, that was um, Blake Lively. Blake Lively showing up and th- showing that she could do some work. Do something. Yeah, Hell yeah! Absolutely. No, that uh, John Hamm, who we will talk about later. Yep. John Forgot Hamm. about John Hamm. And uh, even just you know the setting of Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's Affleck. So Fenway. Any any chance they get to work in Fenway, I'm sure they take it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, awesome movie. Uh, number three for me, Inception. Okay. Not your traditional heist movie no. as well. Um, and I, we've talked about Inception before, but um, that's another one where, you know, it's not your traditional because they're not necessarily trying to 
rob something. I guess they're trying to technically steal someone's, I guess, brain for lack of right. better terms they're, or memories. They're planting an idea planting to an steal idea. something. Exactly. Um, so that that to me was just that movie alone. You know, we talk about how everything's remakes and recreations and that kind of thing. Inception was about as original of an idea as you can Yeah, say. it's, it, oh my God, it's on my list too, spoiler alert, but the way that that film is edited and the way that film treats time and the different layers of a dream, fuck. Yeah. Uh, number two for me, my boy Statham showing up again. Okay. Snatch. Snatch. I okay. love that movie. I, it's, it's, it's borderline chaos mm-hmm. in that movie, but there's so many amazing characters in that from Statham's character um, to Brad Pitt as a pikey. That movie is like several small shitty heists. It is. For one diamond. <laughs> that's that's the best part is that other than the very end heist yeah. that they pull off um, with Brad Pitt and in, mm-hmm. in, involved um, is just a series of like really bad criminals. Like no one's good. Like I think of... Uh, the big fat guy. Yeah, the drivers, uh, the um, all the all the freaking gypsies, uh, and then you get my boy um, from Gone in sixty seconds. Uh, who's Vinnie the big Jones? Vinny Jones. Ah, oh, I love that movie. Boris the Blade, Boris the Bullet Dodger. So many. And number one, we already know is is Oceans. Yeah, uh, Oceans Eleven is definitely my favorite of the three, but to me. They, 12 and 13 don't get enough credit, um, especially 12. People always crap on 12. But sure. We've talked about it all the time. 12 is by far the funniest. The funniest. Of the, of the three. It really is. Um, not, but the heist itself is the best in the first one, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, 13 is good. 12 is, eh. I mean, the heist itself. 12 is 12. a couple of heists. 12 is more about, like, I guess in a way character development sure. to some point. And it's more about like telling Rusty's story from that standpoint. And which they're is going a, against another thief. So it's exactly. a competition movie as well. Exactly. So there's a little bit there. Those are uh that's my top ten. It's a good top ten. So I have a lot in here as well, and I have a lot of the same ones. So I will uh now this is my opportunity to maybe not talk so much. We'll see how much I talk. I don't believe it. Uh but I um, did, I have technically 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I think, technically. Wow. Um, I'm going to just touch on a couple of them. Uh, the one that didn't quite make the list uh, was Die Hard for the exact reasons that you mentioned in, in that uh, it's weird because the heist is the main part of the film, but it is not a heist movie. Like, it is... We, we, I mean, we've already talked about it, where, where it does wind up being all about the heist, but the bad guys are truly bad guys, the good guys are truly good guys, things of that nature. Uh, number 10, I put this one on number 10 because I needed a greasy, shitty uh, heist movie with tons of characters in it, so I put 3,000 Miles to Graceland on my list. <laughs> Costner. Uh, Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, Las Vegas... As you said before, Courtney who doesn't Cox. love some Vegas? Elvis Khan. And theirs is pretty much a strictly smash and grab job. Happens at the beginning. Literally, I think it's the, the main crew is Costner, Kurt Russell, uh, fucking <laughs> Christian Slater, Bakeem Woodbine, and David Arquette. 
of all people. And literally by minute 20, three of them are dead. Which is funny, too, because you got Courtney Cox in there, oh, too, yeah, and they end up true. getting married. Yep, Courtney Cox is in there. But then you got America's Next Great Action Star, Howie Long shows up, Ice-T shows up, John Lovitz, Thomas Hayden Church, and Kevin Pollack as the, as the two uh, U.S. Marshals chasing them. Like, it's just, it's not a good movie, okay? It's not. <laughs> but God damn it, is it fun. And Kurt Russell's cool as shit. So it's on there. My number nine is your number nine. Now you see me. I am a magic nut. I fucking love magic. And so when you put together magic and a heist movie, I'm in. Say no more. Not to mention the fact that the music really brings that up to a level. And then not only do you have the heist, but much like every other magic trick, you have all of the additional twists and turns and who is who and whatever. Uh, Number eight for me is Fast Five. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Now, I will I I am I'm prefacing Fast 5 because obviously we can't mention Fast Fast 5 without the original Fast and Furious, which was pretty much just it wasn't really a heist movie, but it was centered around criminal criminals Point heisting break. things. And yes, you can't say the original Fast and Furious without saying Point Break. So Fast Five exists because Point Break exists for it to get remade into the Fast and the Furious, only for it to become the perfect version of a heist film, uh, plus tons of cars in (laughs) Fast Five. That's another one that's just straight up smash and grab, but is a little bit smarter. Not to mention it brings the entire cast together of all four films before. And that is when the Fast, that is just before they started turning them into superheroes. And they were still criminals stealing things. Mm-hmm. But they were stealing them from a corrupt Brazilian guy. So that's Fast Five is definitely on there with a shout out to the original Fast and Furious. And a shout out to Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. Because who doesn't love shooting their gun in the air screaming, ah? I mean, come on. <laughs> Number seven. Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible, was all about them. Yeah, it's it's spies and espionage and whatever, but a big chunk of that movie was them putting a crew together, stealing the knock list, and then trying to sell it, all obviously with ulterior motives and clearing their names, but a huge part of that was based on the heist. And there are few movies on your list or mine that equal the tension of that first Mission Impossible and the rope sequence that has been often imitated and often parodied, mm-hmm. but never quite duplicated. That's just the heist in that film. It's a good one. High tension there. I did not need to marinate on this one. I put Hell or High Water at number six. Uh, it is the best version of a modern Western. The, the best praise that I can give it is all the praise that you gave it, but also you could trade in all the cars for horses. You could trade in everything for the Wild West back in the 1800s, and it would still work perfectly as a film. Absolutely. Um, but I do have to give a shout out there. Obviously, tons of Western movies revolve around heists. Some mm-hmm. of the best ones. My One of my favorites is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Absolutely. So I cannot mention a 2016 Western movie without also mentioning the Western movies of old that had to do with stealing and thieving and, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid obviously being one of the best of that. Number five, my boy Affleck in the town, which you had at number four, right? Mm-hmm. So you actually have my boy higher than I did. Excellent film. I You, you said it best. It's, it's such a great crime heist drama. Everybody in it's firing at all cylinders. The difference about that one too, though, is you have 
couple heists in there, right? Because mm-hmm. they're robbing. Mm-hmm. But you also have, it's not really like, there's not like a bunch of planning no. to it. But the end climax is a heist. Yeah. So it definitely fits the genre, but it's a little bit different in that like, your build up more is like Ben Affleck's character struggle. It's more character yeah. struggle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more, this lady was a victim of our heist, and now... Oh, what's going to happen? And now we're doing this other heist and dealing with Jeremy Renner and everybody. You're right, because there's not a lot of planning. There's we're going to pretend to be cops. We're going to rob this place. Yeah. Um, such a fucking good movie. Mm-hmm. Number four is. I mean, I don't really have any as classics as you do on here. This this and my number two get as big as classics as possible. But number four, Heat. Holy shit, the crime epic. Mm-hmm. De Niro, Pacino, Kilmer. That cast is a murderer's row, both on the good guys and on the bad guys. Ted Levine, McKelty Williamson, freaking Tom Sizemore, Danny Trejo. It, it it hits all the beats that a good like heist movie needs to. But at the same time, like the heists, especially the big heist, happens in the middle and goes fucking terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And it is way much more of a cat and mouse game between De Niro and Pacino than I think any of these other films have in terms of cat and mouse. How can you go wrong with De Niro and Pacino? Can't is is the correct answer. Um, Number three for me, Inception, infinitely unique, infinitely creative. Uh, The cast, putting the crew together. I mean, it fits all the bills of it. Uh, My number two is is the one I had mentioned before, Reservoir Dogs. It is one of the best heist movies to not have a heist actually in it. But to see the aftermath and to have everybody f- freaking out about how did this go wrong? What happened? And then have those slight flashbacks to people, you know, running out of the running out of the diamond shop or just talking about what happened. The fact that that is essentially a stage play uh, about a heist is just co- and the characters are fucking great and the actors are great. Tarantino uh, and I should give another shout out to uh, Jackie Brown. Because Jackie Brown isn't quite a heist movie, but it is. I mean, it's about moving drug money. You're not really heisting it or stealing it from anybody, but you're trying to keep it away. It's a keep away game. So those are those are my number two. And then I very much like you. My number one is Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. Um, I totally understood that it's a remake of the Rat Pack movie, but if you remember the original Ocean's Eleven, it is Frank Sinatra. Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., then a bunch of other fucking guys that you don't remember. Now, I remember them as, what, is Peter Lawford and uh, Joey Joey Bishop or Tony Bishop? See? That's what I'm fucking talking about. Like, do you remember five out of the 11, and then one was a goddamn cowboy, mm-hmm. one was some old bastard. And I, I understand it's a little bit of disrespect to, to the old cast of the original Ocean's Eleven, but the new ones just got everything right. Absolutely. Everyone is cool. Everyone is like they were peak cool. Absolutely, everybody is peak cool. Even the even the dipshit Malloy brothers. Even even some of the iconic cool. scenes you got from it, like how many how many guys on their guys trip go to the Bellagio fountains and <laughs> take a picture and with them take all. pictures of that. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> how many people go to Vegas and they look for the little things that they see here and there? Yeah. Or, you know, the Bellagio, the Mirage, and the MGM Grand. When 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 you actually realize the geography of those hotels, there's no fucking way they shared a central vault. They're yeah. so far away from each other. Um, but it's just it's it is the perfect heist. Those I mean, that's the perfect trilogy. And yeah, 
The other two, they like like you said, they don't get quite the credit that the first one gets. But as a trilogy, fuck, it's mm. solid. It is solid all around. And then they just keep adding little pieces here and there. So that is uh, our top. I don't think it's any surprise that our top movies became the Ocean's Eleven, Twelve. You didn't and put reindeer games in there. Fuck! I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even think about reindeer games. Oh my god, we gotta do it all over again. Oh, reindeer games! Damn, gotta do it all over again. The boom boom room. Why do they call it the boom boom room? Oh man, reindeer games. Shit! How dare you spring that on me? Um, but as always, we we want to know. You know, we want to hear back from you. And so even though this doesn't quite fit, we, we did ask people to to name some of their favorite blockbusters. And many of the heist films that we talked about fall underneath the category of blockbusters. And so we had all our people on social media. We didn't get quite as big of a response to this one because I think I did a shitty job of asking people personally. Sure. Um, but we did get a few responses as to what people's favorite blockbusters were. Uh, Robert Ensley threw out the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, because he knows it by heart. And I know that you also love that movie. I know it has a I special place in my heart. heart, too. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original. That was like the original big movie for us as kids. That came out like, what, 91? Something like that? Yeah, right around there. And then Haley Mandrup, she's out here throwing out these, these as blockbusters. Now, I'm going to call into question whether or not these are blockbusters. David, I'll let you be the deciding factor on this because you know how I can get. She listed... My Fair Lady or and or The Sound of Music. Now, I have not run the numbers on My Fair Lady or The Sound of Music. Maybe I should, but... I mean, there's no doubt their place in history, but to call them a blockbuster, I don't know that to I call can... them a I don't blockbuster. Think I, can call, I don't know that I can call them a blockbuster. A blockbuster. My Fair Lady. Let's just pull up the stats I don't, real I don't quick. I think people were lining up around the block to uh, see My Fair Lady. Budget 17 million, box office 72 million for My Fair Lady. I'm going to say not a blockbuster. Even it, but you do have to give it an inflation. Absolutely, it's a great film. Still. Yeah, it's got its place in history. The Sound of Music, however. Budget 8.2 million, total box office, cumulative worldwide 286 million. Probably a blockbuster. I feel like we can certify that one as a blockbuster safely. So we'll say we'll say the sound of music gets a pass on that. But the rain in Spain falls mainly by the plane or whatever the shit. We're gonna we're gonna tapper that. It's, mm, it's just I, disrespectful. I'm not adding it on there, and I apologize for that. <laughs> um, and going over to our Instagram, I uh, got a few people. Uh, some of us, I some who I feel were were trying to get a rise out of me, and I don't appreciate that. All right, and yet at the same time. That's kind of what makes this fun. Um, but we have user uh, Bogdan uh, Bobby Boca, 2004, says Jurassic Park is one of the seminal peak blockbusters. And then we have uh, user Tremaine Ranch saying Twilight. It was technically a blockbuster. Which is real fucking upsetting to me. <laughs> technically, it fits. Should we do a Twilight episode? No. We'll do a vampire episode. We'll just wait for a vampire film to come out. Lost Boys. Well, wait. Well, we got the Mummy. Well, we're gonna. We'll probably have vampire movies. We'll probably get a Dracula eventually. There you go. Um, Leah Theodosis brought up Pirates of the Caribbean, War of the Worlds, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds, really underrated, and then the newest Wonder Woman. I will fight. Absolutely. I will fight for War of the Worlds. I know you will. A lot of people don't give that movie respect. It deserves your respect. Revisit that movie. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Theodosis on Instagram said Shrek. 
And he did it with a like a smiley face, like an asshole smiley face. <laughs> but that, you know, I'll take that. Shrek was a phenomenon when it came out. It was. I'm not going to get mad way about too it. Too many of them. Even though I think he tried to make me mad. Um, and then the Richie D, the underscore Richie D, he's got a lot of favorite blockbusters in no particular order. He's got 300. He's got Edge of Tomorrow, Iron Man, Jurassic Park, Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Wars, V for Vendetta. But he also has a few heist movies on there: Die Hard and Inception, making on his list as well. So, like and it. then obviously things like he throws in there the Dark Knight, Sherlock Holmes, a uh, lot of different options in terms of blockbusters. So, as always, we want to know your favorite stuff, uh, particularly for our next episode. We want to know your favorite superhero movies. So, tweet us, Facebook, Instagram. You can always find us at the Popcorn Diet. We want to know for our next episode what your favorite superhero movies are. But for the last closing bit, we're going to talk about. We're talking about the movie that's sweeping the nation right now, The Little Engine That Could in Baby Driver. Probably the, the best movie with a stupid-ass name that I can think of. I was not a big fan of the title of Baby Driver. Um, non-spoilers, David, what did you think of Baby Driver? So I first and foremost, it's awesome. It's a great film. So I'm not going to – anything I say, probably most of the follow-up that I have from it is – it sounds a little bit negative, um, but overall, it's great. The characters are awesome in it. Uh, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, they're, those are my two favorite mm-hmm. characters. Kevin Spacey's great in it. Um, all the characters are really good, fit really well together, make a, a fun fun cast. For sure. Um, the the action is amazing. The driving, the stunt driving is is phenomenal. All um, done in camera, too. Absolutely, which was even more impressive when you knew that you know none of it's you know cgi or any of that so that was awesome um none of that disappointed at all um there's some corn corny things like just his name going with you on baby Baby. driver baby and that like what's your name baby baby b-a-b-y baby although i did i mean they did make that cool eventually him spelling it out and stuff it worked yeah it 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 did um again i i didn't need it but it (laughs) It was a fun movie. Um, the my biggest beef with it overall is I feel like there was a huge missed opportunity in soundtrack. Okay, like this movie was so well done that I feel like if you would have had a little bit more, like I didn't need like, you know, today's top twenty, you know, soundtrack or even like just Billboard chart songs. Sure, but you know, I think of and I use the comparison and they're completely different movies, but I use the comparison of Guardians of the Galaxy. One of the things that I think made that movie catch on, not just cuz Chris Pratt, you know, and all the characters are great in that movie, but one of the things that I think that drove that movie to be so memorable was the soundtrack. Um and if you listen to it, it's not like it's all these like, you know, current songs or things like that that have this built-in fan. They're, you know, songs from different you know, time periods, um, but they're just iconic. Like, they're things that get in your head. Sure. I don't think really any song that I walked away from Baby Driver, like, was in my head. Tequila, maybe. Tequila, maybe. Um, but even the tequila, I feel like, was a different version of tequila in that movie, if I remember right. It was, yeah. It was a remake. But I, I, you're the same. Like, I didn't walk out, like, humming no. and any I, of the songs. And I expected, knowing that it was, like, a musical that wasn't a musical like right. it was almost done like a musical but it wasn't like people walking around singing and you know 
suddenly everybody's dancing and sure. running around the city. And then it was a very much a regular movie that just movie drove the whole or music drove the whole movie. Yeah. In a way, in, in a way that you've never really seen in an action mm. movie before. Like if the beat of the music was then the gunfight and the gear shifts and the steering wheels would be pow, 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 reload, pow, 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 pow. Like it yeah. literally edited its action to the songs, which is something I don't think I've ever seen before. Well, and, and, and maybe this this isn't a spoiler, but even just ba- the character Baby's interaction with the music. For sure. Um, you know, as he's walking down the street to me, you know, it's like all of us sometimes when you're listening to music and For like sure. no one else knows what's going on in your head. If you're going to the but gym. something's about to happen and you like. If you've you ever know. gone to the gym or ever gone on a run, you know the music that gets you hype. You know the music that gets you going and baby's got his own for driving yeah exactly or even just walking around when he's going to get coffee he's going to get coffee which is an amazing one shot yeah when that first i love one shots in movies so much because they just they once you realize what's happening like maybe for the first 30 seconds or the first minute like you don't realize what's happening but then eventually subconsciously you realize like it hasn't cut yet and it gets more and more exciting. It's like a wheel rolling down a hill. It gets faster and faster and faster until it finally cuts. And I feel like one shots in movies help build that tension so, so well. And that was a killer one shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you were you were right ultimately about the music in that it is a huge part of the movie. And it works really, really well. And it's really hard to say like Edgar Wright picked songs that weren't as memorable to me. Because that is purely, I think, a subjective thing, you know? I think it has to do with our age. I think it has to do with the fact that we don't really – I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't really get in-depth on music that much, you know? I don't know who – I don't know who Carla Thomas is. I should. I don't know who Cashmere Stage Band is. I don't know who fucking The Incredible Bongo Band is, like – I I don't know any of these people. So well, well, and even the song that I guess is probably the most notable that they call back to the is the Queen song. Brighton Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love Queen. Right. And it and worked I, and, great in the movie. And I know Brighton Rock. Yeah. I knew this song. But I was thinking to myself, like, and, and I'm not expecting them to go cornball with Queen and do like we will rock you or sure. something like that. Sure. But like even something like that was a good example of like most people probably couldn't even sing you like two lines out of Brighton Rock sure. or even probably hum it for you. Um, I couldn't. And that's, and it's hard because that's like, even though we're kind of shitting on the soundtrack right now, like it is a very small quibble in an otherwise great movie. Absolutely. Um, I think now is probably a good time where we can break into spoilers a little bit. We'll wrap it up with a little bit of spoiler discussion, but you and I both agree. Baby driver is Excellent and worth worth going and seeing. Worth going and seeing. Worth theaters. going and seeing again. Like it's, it's worth spending the money and going and see. And I wouldn't be mad about going and seeing it again no. either. And what's super nice is that it's a mid. It's it's a mildly budgeted film. I think it costs less than forty million dollars to make, and it's going to make a lot of money. And that's great. That's great for films because it shows that we can make good, smart, original content, and it, that not everything needs to be a franchise. So if that movie pulls in like eighty five, a hundred million dollars, great, super exciting. Going into spoilers now because some of my favorite parts of this movie are in, in they're integral to the or integral. How do you say that? Integral or integral? integral. Is it integral? Because I always say integral. Whatever. Say it how I want to say it. They are important. 
to the characters and the character switches and the character choices. Now, you already mentioned how John Hamm and Jamie Foxx crush in this movie. They're my two favorite characters in this movie by far. Jamie Foxx, I think, is the MVP because Jamie Foxx plays the guy who is in every fucking heist movie. He is the guy who is not cool. He's the powder keg. He's the one who could fuck it all up. Everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. It's a wild card, right? And he plays it. Every time Jimmy Fox is on screen, I'm worried he's going to shoot somebody. But he plays it with such an arrogance, such a, like, I'm the coolest motherfucker on the block. And I don't, and ain't no one going to cross me. And I don't care if Baby's as good as his job is. I don't like the fact that he's listening to his music, blah, 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 blah. He's so good at it. And this might be the best Jamie Foxx has been in a while. His his freaking wardrobe kicks ass. His character kicks ass. The way he is killed, spoiler alert, fucking rocks. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, is he, oh, man. And I'm not going to detail it, you know, through and through. It's a spoiler enough that he gets killed. But the way that he goes out, I loved it. I literally almost cheered. Yep. Um. And uh, and I love the evolution of characters of like John Hamm and Kevin Spacey, because John Hamm starts as the guy who's kind of cool with Baby. You know, I'm gonna listen to his music. Baby's good at his job. I'm gonna stands you know, up for him. A stands bit. up for him and stuff. And 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 Kevin Spacey starts as like the typical mob boss, like you owe me one, or oh you didn't think you were out, were you? But then near the climax of the film, it switches. And I really found that interesting that these characters could have evolutions and have changes in their character to the point of where John Hamm becomes the main bad guy and is looks fucking great doing it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Spacey becomes almost this paternal figure for Baby, this, this father-like figure, if only for a brief moment. So I love that. I love the characters. Well, and I think even with Kevin Spacey, I think you... When you think back to it, like once he makes that leap of really standing up and and showing those paternal instincts. Right. As you think back through the movie and review it, you see that, oh, yeah, he kind of has been like that father figure because, you know, whether it be someone complaining like Jamie Foxx when he says headphones. Right. You know, he kind of does that test of like, baby, did you get all that? And he repeats all of it Mm -hmm. perfectly. And Kevin Spacey almost smiles because he's like. You know, so knew he's that proud was of his happen. boy. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. So um, you kind of look back and see that, yeah, he's kind of been protecting him the whole movie. Sure. Um, but it's cool to see, like you said, it kind of play out from there. But, yeah, I mean, this movie, to me, like, is one of those ones where the supporting characters are really the memorable characters. Absolutely. And, and it's not a knock on uh, Ansel. Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Because he actually did really good. Yeah. I was and, watching the trailers. I'm like, Ansel Elgort ain't fucking cool. They're trying yeah. to make this little whatever guy cool. He's fucking cool in the movie. Yeah, I mean he's a little corny at times. A little corny which is is fine, but a little aw shucksy. Yeah, but he does a good job. Um, Lily James is awesome as Deborah. Um, I think all the cool things that they do. You put it in your review. Yeah. On Medium, but um, she's plays that great iconic like. You know, even having her work in a diner as a waitress. Right. It's the this, sweet girl who can get him away from this life of crime. Exactly. Exactly. The promise of a better life. Exactly. So she plays that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Really happy with, you know, and, and enjoyed that part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, even John Hamm's uh, wife, you know, sort of yeah, Bonnie and Clyde-esque. Uh, I can't pronounce her first name. I think it's uh, Ieza Gonzalez. 
Buddy and Buddy and Darlene. And I loved all the nicknames and how you actually found out they were nicknames because Baby turns out to be a nickname because yep. when he started working for Kevin Spacey, he was a baby. Yep. And his real name, Miles, is just like good enough to be good. Like if it, if his if his real name turned out to be like like some fucking stupid like speedy or whatever or yeah. something then it would have been like I feel like Miles was like that perfect like ooh that's a good name you know what I mean um I really liked John uh, Bernthal who wasn't in the movie very often he's only at the beginning mm-hmm. as Griff I feel like he has the, one of the best lines in the movie when he says he's he's walking out he's cool as shit and he's like if you don't see me again that means I'm dead. Guess what? You don't see him again for the rest of the movie. So even the delivery of that line has potentially a bigger connotation in the world. But even remember, too, Kevin Spacey at one point says, I never use the same crew twice. True. Except for you. You're the only person that you know I keep using right. time and time again. Right. As well as Kevin Spacey never Kevin Spacey always gives off this air of like the boss, you know, right, just like the in, brain. The, in the mob, like you have that boss. You never you never actually see him do things, but people just end up dead. Sure. And you think of the the heist that goes wrong <laughs> with fucking the idiots. With the Mike Myers masks and all that crap. With with JD Eddie No No's flea showing up as Eddie No No's, which is an excellent name. Absolutely. And but even as they they end up escaping, obviously, at least the majority Barely. Of them, yeah. Um but the one guy ends up in the trunk that mm-hmm. screwed up. Get rid of and him. And it's like you kind it's kind of like you assume Kevin Spacey was the reason that that guy's in a trunk. Yeah, he fucked up. So um it is interesting that you have Flea and Big Boy <laughs> makes a cameo. Big Boy makes a cameo, too. Killer Mike makes a cameo, and Paul Williams, who's a big 80s uh, guy, he did, and you, pro- I don't know if you even know this, he did Phantom of the Paradise, which was like a glam rock version of Phantom of the Opera back in the 80s. And Paul Williams had a big part of Random Access Memories on the Daft Punk album yeah. a few years ago. He shows up as the arms dealer, that creepy little white, yep, yep. white suited arms dealer. So there's even more musical yeah. connections. So it was kind of cool that this is a movie that's very much driven by music that has all these music people. Right. In right. It. Even some of them are being a bit parts and, you know, well, most of them are bit parts. But I, I think one of them, and this is probably, I mean, obviously, you know, we want to we want to keep our time. But I think one of my favorite parts about this, we haven't talked about it enough, is Edgar Wright, director. We talked about how he picked the soundtrack out and we were kind of giving him shit for it. But Edgar Wright, most mostly what, what I loved about this movie is that. As far as I know, and I could be reading it wrong, but all of Edgar Wright's previous films felt like comedies first and then the other version of a genre second. So like Shaun of the Dead was a comedy first that turned into a serious zombie movie. Hot Fuzz was a comedy cop movie. And uh, At World's End was a comedy World's End movie. Even Scott Pilgrim was funnier than it was action. Um, And I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but... What I really liked about this is how it flipped it. Like, Baby Driver has funny moments. But for the most part, it is a very serious, it's a straight heist action movie. And the funny moments come in, you know, the, the Mike Myers bit is probably the biggest piece of comedy in the film. But the funny moments come in the character interactions and things like that. And I really loved seeing that Edgar Wright could do a serious movie 
that is funny versus a funny movie that gets serious. Like especially at the end when we're in the we're in the the parking garage and the sprinklers are coming down and John Hamm is just fucking full on psycho mode and he's got he's bathed in that red light and his hair and he just looks it's iconic to me. Like I just dug that look and how serious it was. And I dug that it took itself seriously. And if anything, not only did it make me happy that I saw Edgar Wright kind of show that he can make a fucking badass, straight up, serious, badass movie, but it makes me miss the fact that we're not going to get Edgar Wright's Ant-Man ever. Because if you look at Baby Driver and you realize that he was going to make Ant-Man, Ant-Man's fine. Ant-Man's really good movie. There ain't nothing wrong with Ant-Man. But... Seeing what Edgar Wright can do with action and with character and with dialogue and editing and realizing that we were this close to getting an Edgar Wright Marvel movie and it didn't happen. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It's a little bit more heartbreaking than it was before Baby Driver came out. One thing I will say that, you know, I didn't really think of until as I started thinking about the movies that he's done is. Music is a huge part of Edward Wright's movies. Very much so. Scott Pilgrim obviously had a huge part. Right, but even Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, like one of the most iconic scenes in Shaun of the Dead is when Queen's playing and Don't Stop Me Now. now. Hell yeah. Um, And uh, That's actually a really great example of action hitting the beat of the music. Hot Fuzz has some great music in Mm -hmm. there too. And even uh, The World's End has some great scenes with some good music in there. He definitely loves his 70s rock, though. He, he loves his 70s rock, and he is a big music lover. That's why I can't really fault him that much for having such an eclectic soundtrack, because if anything, it just shows how ignorant I am when it comes to old rock and music and hip-hop and things like that, and I fully admit that. Um, but yeah, this is the closest thing This is the closest thing you're going to get to a musical without it being a musical. Yep. Um, and it's fucking great. And I would totally see it again. Go and see it. Go and see Baby Driver. Um, But I believe that's going to do it for us for this week's episode. Again, do us a favor. Wherever you're listening to us, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, do us a favor and like, rate, subscribe. That's how we get more people to listen to us. That's how we get more feedback. We love talking about movies, not only with ourselves, obviously, but with you as well. So like, rate, and subscribe. And then follow us wherever you want to. Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. But for the Canadian machine, David Melhorn, that's going to do it for us. I am Rick Williamson, your very best movie buddy. And we will see you next week at the movies for the return of the Spider-Man. Adios, everyone.